the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 John. One of the things that marks us as followers of Christ is that we love our brother, we love our sister, we love people. And again, it's not this, you know, it's not this love, this superficial love, it is agape love. We love them with the love of the Lord. As a believer, we are to love people with the love of the Lord. We are to genuinely love others as He has loved us. It's not exactly easy to love your enemies, is it? Thinking of an enemy as someone who constantly acts against you, disrespects you, treats you like you don't matter? Sounds a lot like how we treat God sometimes, huh? In today's message, Pastor Gary explains we need to have agape love for others, which means unconditional, nothing can change it. God has agape love for us, despite how much we do wrong. Who are we then to not share the same love for the people around us? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection, subscribe to the podcast, or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 John chapter 3 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 1 John chapter 3, we left off last week in the first couple of verses, so I'll Back up and read again verse 1 where he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Underline that phrase in your Bible, children of God. And then if you would jump down to verse 10 where he says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So now in verse 10, you can underline the phrase, children of the devil. I don't know if you ever thought about the world like that, but there are children of God, and there are children of the devil, and there's no DMZ. There's nothing in between, okay? You're one or the other. Now, we mentioned this last week, that a lot of times people affectionately, generically in the world, refer to everybody as God's children. And I know what they mean by that. What they mean is, we are all created in His image and His likeness. But strictly speaking, we are not all God's children. There are children of the devil, and there are children of God. In, in John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received Him... Jesus, to them that believed on his name, he gave the right, it's a right, it's a privilege, to be called the children of God. The way you become, strictly speaking, by definition, a child of God is by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
having a relationship with Jesus makes you then a child of God. So we can go around all day long saying, well, everybody's a child of God. Everybody's a child of God. In terms of all of us being created in his image and likeness, yes. But in terms of really belonging to the family, not unless you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I hate to shock you with this news bulletin, but if you don't know Christ as your Savior, by default, you are a child of the devil. Now listen, don't don't send me emails on that. I'm just telling you, this is what John writes here. He's going to contrast for us the difference between the children of God versus the children of the devil in these next few verses here in chapter 3. Now, before we actually read through this, uh, I want to take you back to the, to, um, the gospel of John. If you go back to John chapter 8, just keep your finger there in 1 John. We'll come back. But in John chapter 8, this is, and this is, this is where John, okay, this is the same John who wrote the gospel of John as wrote 1 John. 2 John, 3 John, and, and Revelation. The reason why we're, we're going to read in 1 John chapter 3 the difference between children of God and children of the devil is because he learned it from the lips of Jesus. Jesus has this conversation in John's gospel chapter 8 that where he talks about in very strong terms uh, people who believe in him and who follow him and people who don't. And so in John's Gospel, chapter 8, you can just listen, or if you have turned there in your Bibles, uh, I'm going to read verse 31 down through verse 47. This is what it says, John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone, how can you say you will be made free? Okay, now notice it says Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Okay, so they believed him, but they didn't understand how to belong to him. And so they challenge him when he gets through saying, you know, he whom the son sets free is free indeed. And they're like, well, we've never been in bondage. You know, we, we're the children of Abraham. How could you say that we shall be set free? Because, see, they didn't understand spiritual bondage. They didn't understand. They were thinking strictly physical bondage, physical slavery. And they're like, well, we're not slaves. So why would you speak to us in these terms? So how can you say we will be made free? Verse 34, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sins. He's going to talk about being, being a slave spiritually here. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Okay. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So that word son in verse 36 is capitalized because he's talking about himself. But in verse 35, when he talks about, but a son abides forever, he's talking about son, small s. Like, do you belong to the family? If you you belong to the family, it's going to be because the son, capital S-O-N, Jesus, has set you free. And so you belong to God's family and and you're part of his household. You're a child of God. And then he goes on to say, Jesus says in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. I mean, I know your heritage. I know your pedigree. You're Jews. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Now, now note this. They're not going to get it just yet. He's going to have to spell it out for them. But he says, basically, I have a daddy, and you have a daddy. And they are not the same. 
So verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They still don't get it. And then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now, this is a, this is a slander. Who are they slandering? They're slandering Jesus right there. Because they know his reputation, you see, having been born of a virgin, okay, because God miraculously came and took on flesh. But in their minds, they just thought that Mary had slept around, and so that's how she got pregnant, and so they're slandering him. They're like, well, you know, we were not born of fornication. Uh, We have one father, and it's God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. In other words, you don't belong to the family here. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And now this is where he gets specific. Why do you not understand my speech? He answers his own question. Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Ouch is right. And the desires... Of your father, you want to do. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who was of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Okay, well, that goes on and on, but here's the point. So John obviously is writing this because he is hearing Jesus himself now describe how there are two groups of people. And, and this isn't to be disparaging. This is just to be accurate and factual. You either belong to God or you don't. And if you don't belong to God, you are by, by default a child of the devil. And this is why they were wanting to persecute Jesus. This is why they were wanting to stone him. This is why they were wanting to kill him because they believed him, but they didn't have relationship with him. And thus they were not belonging to the family of God. And so Jesus says, you, you belong to another family. Your father is the devil. Okay. There are two groups of people. You're either classified as a child of God or you're a child of the devil. You either live for the Lord or you live for the world. You either belong to Jesus or you don't. He starts out here in, uh, in verse uh, 1 again. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that so we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so we mentioned last week that this is talking about the glorified state, that Jesus became glorified in his, in his body, and thus there's going to be a day when we are with the Lord that we as Christians will also have glorified bodies. So that is unique about the children of God. We get glorified bodies like Jesus does, and that's what he means when he says there that we, uh, we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we're going to be like Jesus. And And uh, Paul would write in Philippians 3.21 that God will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious 
body. And verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, the idea of the hope of heaven and, and, you know, spending eternity with the Lord and having a glorified body should motivate us to holy living. That's what he's saying here. Everybody who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. Verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So we need to understand this, right? Jesus committed no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus became a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now the Bible says that he took on our sins and the penalty accompanying our sins, but he himself knew no sin. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God is what Paul writes to the Corinthians. So so this is important for us to understand, that Jesus was without sin, but he took on our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. That's why he died on a cross for our sin. And verse 6, he adds, whoever abides in him, and we talked about this word abide, he uses it uh, 20 times in totality in in this little epistle of 1 John. 20 times he talks about abiding. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, you can read this, and if you don't understand context here, you can start to think to yourself, man, I'm not even saved. I mean, when you read stuff like that and say, okay, well, whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So I know that on the way over here, I sinned, you know. And because I was yelling at my wife or my, I was yelling at my husband or I was, you know, angry at my kids. or So I guess I'm not even a Christian. All right. Now, so hold on here, because when we get to verse nine, I'll explain it a little bit more. But little children, he says, little children, verse seven, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, the Lord, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, the Lord's seed, remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. This is very challenging stuff here. And what we need to understand is that when he writes in verse 9, Whoever's been born of God does not sin. In the Greek original language, it is in the present active infinitive. That's important grammatically because what it means is habitual sin. He is not preaching here. He's not, John is not teaching sinless perfection. He is saying there's a difference between sinning and the habitual, continual practice of that sin. He's not saying there is sinless perfection because he would be contradicting himself back in chapter 1. Glance back to chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's why he says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So at the end of chapter 1, he makes it pretty clear we sin, even as Christians, we're fallen creatures. And so thankfully, we can confess our sin to Jesus. We can be forgiven of our sin, cleansed from all unrighteousness. 
So here in chapter 3, he's not contradicting chapter 1. What he's talking here about is that a Christian does not engage in continual habitual sin. That there are times we're going to stumble from time to time. Our flesh is weak. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And there will be times that our flesh caves in to sinful temptations. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying we should do it. I'm just saying as a matter of reality, sometimes our flesh gets the best of us. We're tempted and we fall. We sin. So he's not saying here sinless perfection marks a Christian, but he's saying a Christian does not continue in habitual sin. It's the present active infinitive. You don't keep doing something over and over and over again and then think, well, I'm redeemed because the life of a Christian should be marked by the fruit of righteousness. And that's verse 7. That's the third bullet point under the column. A believer, a child of God, practices righteousness. Now he contrasts this with children of the devil, and we already read verse 8, which is one of the things that he says about those who belong to the devil. Verse 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Satan is still working to, to tempt us and to lead us into sin. God doesn't lead us into sin. The enemy does, Satan does, and somebody who belongs to the devil just does what is natural to that sin nature. If you're not redeemed, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're just going to continue to practice sin and do habitual sin and, and do things that you that you'd normally do if you don't know Christ, because you don't have the Spirit of God in you to help you. So you just do what your flesh desires. And he goes on to say in verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So so that's the second bullet point under children of the devil, does not practice righteousness because you're not of the Lord, nor is he who does not love his brother. So that's another bullet point that he says here, marks those who do not belong to the Lord. Now, the word love there is a word that he loves to use throughout this epistle 45 times John uses the word love in five chapters that is more times than any other book of the New Testament and every time John uses the word love it is always the Greek word agape which is the highest most supreme form of love and he and he says there and he's going to he's going to launch into this section now in the rest of chapter 3 about what is real love? He's going to talk about how, how are we to love others. And one of the things that marks us as followers of Christ is that we love our brother. We love our sister. We love people. And again, it's not this, you know, it's not this love, this superficial love. It is agape love. We love them with the love of the Lord. As a believer, we are to love people with the love of the Lord. We are to genuinely love others as he has loved us. We are to exemplify. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so he he ends verse 10 by saying, you know, somebody who belongs to the devil doesn't love his brother versus us. We should. Verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of the wicked one, 
He was motivated by, by the devil, obviously, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. So, you know, this is the story back in the garden. After they had been expelled from the garden, Adam and Eve, they had a couple of sons, Cain and Abel. And um, Cain kills his brother Abel, all because of jealousy. It's really what it was, because Abel offered a sacrifice to the Lord that was a righteous sacrifice, and Cain did not. And so Cain's offering was rejected, and Abel's was accepted, and so Cain kills his brother over it, all because of jealousy. He murdered his brother all because of jealousy. So John says, who do you think was the motivator behind that? It was the devil. Because Cain was, you know, just giving in to the temptations of the enemy, just jealousy in his flesh, and, and, he, and he succumbed to it, kills his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. His brothers were righteous. So verse 13, he says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Please underline that in your Bibles. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. As a follower of Christ... You will not always be liked. And this is an important thing for us to grasp because we live in a day, we live in a culture that is all about how many likes you get. All right, that's that's all that the world has become on social media now. How many likes did I get? And your whole self-image rises and falls on how many thumbs you got on your social media. How many liked your picture? How many liked your post? How many liked what you wrote? And if a bunch of people really like you, you feel good. If you don't get a bunch of likes, you feel depressed. And so we're living in a culture where everything about us is dependent on how much we're liked. And we got to get over ourselves. We got to get over ourselves. In Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets that were before you, great is your reward in heaven. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus also talked about how the world will hate us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 When he was talking about persecutions that are coming, you live for your faith, there's going to be persecutions that are coming. And he said in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Let me say it to you this way. If you don't have at least some people in your life, either at work or your family or neighbor, who don't like you, if you at least have some people who don't like you, you probably aren't living enough for the Lord. Just let that sink in just a little bit. If everybody likes you, you you can't be living for the Lord. There's going to be somebody who doesn't like you just by virtue of the fact that you're living for Jesus. So we need to take inventory of our hearts and our lives and think to ourselves, if everybody likes me, why is that? Why does everybody like me in my life? Okay, now I'm not encouraging you to do stuff so that you'll be hated. Okay, because it's easy for us to do that. All right, you can tick somebody off in a New York minute if you want to. 
So I'm not, I'm not suggesting go around, try to make enemies. I'm just simply saying, if you really intentionally are living for Jesus, there's going to bound to be people who don't like you. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 John, a deep book with a simple truth front and center. We find this truth in 1 John 3.11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Did you know there's a way you can love your fellow listeners? We hope you learned something new as you listened today, and even more, that you were inspired to continue searching the Bible for God's love, truth, and grace. Would you join us in praying for your fellow listeners? With every message, there's potential for someone who desperately needs hope to hear about Jesus, and prayer is an incredible way to support them, even though you may never meet them. Or maybe today, it's you who needs prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please send requests to prayer at ccvb.net. That's prayer at ccvb.net. Are you looking to go deeper into this study? Head over to our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, where you'll find companion resources that are available to you completely free. Once again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for in today's message. There's more to learn, so we hope you'll join us here next time for more from Pastor Gary on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.